Well, we've kicked off the new year with a sermon series that I hope will help every single one of us to live out the vision we've been talking about. That we're asking God to make us, not somewhere, somewhere out there, people, us. The kind of Christians who have the courage to stand, the confidence to speak up, not obnoxiously, not screaming, but speak words. And it starts with a heart. A heart that's broken and compassionate for lost people, that's willing to sacrifice to see other people come to Jesus Christ. And so today what I want to do is to help you think through what I think has to be in place in your life for any of us to begin to make a difference in the lives of people around us. There's some things that have to be in place internally going on with us. And as I get into the message today, I want you to know that a lot of the material I'm going to share with you from this message, I've taken right out of one of my very favorite books on evangelism that's titled Becoming a Contagious Christian. Not an obnoxious Christian. That's a different book. We don't use it here. Contagious Christian. And you can get a copy of it in, the, in our resource center. And you can jump into a Sunday school class right now that's going through the book along with the video series to unpack it some more. But let me tell you exactly what I hope to accomplish in this message. Because here's the deal. We're four weeks into this series now. And I suspect because I live with myself and I know what goes on with me that it's happening to some of you. You're starting to get excited. And you're starting to think, okay, maybe, yeah, all right, live for Jesus more, speak up more. You're starting to notice opportunities, even if you blow it. I should have ran it up the flagpole right there. That was a good one. But at least you're noticing. And you're stepping into some of them. But I would venture to guess that this is also going on. You keep bumping into something. As you roll out of here after the sermons, you keep bumping up against something. And here's what I call it. The YBH factor. It's that little voice deep down inside that keeps saying, yeah, but how? Yeah, I want to do that. I'm excited, but how? Yeah, but how? How? How am I supposed to live this way? And where would I start? Where would I even start with my life to become more this kind of person that we're talking about, to impact people around me? That's what I want to talk about today. And I'm going to give you my answer in two ways, and I want you to grab on to whichever one serves you the best based on how God's wired you. Here's the first way I want to give it to you. If you're more of a science, math kind of person, here's what it would look like. HP plus CP plus cc equals mi Woo! some of your hearts beating faster right now bam 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 i love that stuff right there i don't know what you're doing but i like it already because it looks like a formula here's what it stands for high potency plus close proximity plus clear communication equals maximum impact Now, please know, I do not think there's any kind of evangelistic formula anywhere in the Bible. But I do think it can be helpful to us sometimes to put things in a form that you can remember that breaks it down. What are the key elements, areas in your life that are going to have to be alive and well for you to start to make a difference? Now, if you're not a math science person, I'm not. And you're more of a word, art, color, music person, then I'll give it to you in words. Potency. Plus proximity, plus proclamation. Three Ps. Don't you love that? Potency plus proximity plus proclamation equals maximum impact. I don't care whichever one appeals to you the most. My goal, my desire, my prayer is simply that 
it would help you start to get some traction in your life. Who cares about a formula? Who cares about three Ps? My desire is you'd start to do something about it and you'd know where to begin. How? How would I do this? Where do I need to look in my life? What things need to change to begin to make more of an impact on the people around me? Now, never mind formulas or three Ps. Let's come up with some biblical basis for this. Does the Bible push any of this bread? It does. So here's my first point I want to make. I'm going to look at the first two elements of this today. Potency and proximity. And next Sunday I'll give the whole message to proclamation or clear communication. Today we're going to look at potency, proximity. So here's my first point. If I can find it. There you go. You'll never make an impact on the people around you without being salty and full of light. You'll never make an impact on the people around you without first being very salty and very full of light. Surely you've noticed that our world is in a state of decay, moral decay, and darkness that seems to just be enveloping the land more and more. But even as I say that, listen to me, that is not a cause for despair if you're a Christian. It ought, it ought to actually make you think more and more, that's why he has me here. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. My life has a purpose. There's a reason for living even if I don't like my job. Even if everything else in my world is not what I wish it was. The darker it gets, the more morally decadent it gets. The more you ought to wake up thinking, that's why Jesus needs me here. That's why he has me in this neighborhood, at this job, in this gym, in this community. Don't despair, Christians. Shut off the bloggers that are just like the sky is falling. Oh my goodness. Shut it down. Read your Bible. These are great days to be alive for Jesus. We're here for a reason. It matters. Eternity is at stake. And it's just so obvious that God wants to use us. So let me show you. Let me show you how God wants to use us as salt and light. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to jump right into the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to jump in on the Sermon on the Mount and we're going, to, we're going to hear Jesus speaking to his followers. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine. Where? On Sunday at church with other Christians? In small group huddled up in a home? Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Why does Jesus use these two metaphors, salt and light, to describe us? What's going on? Why did he choose that of all things he could have chosen? Well, let's start with salt. Salt makes you thirsty. That's why bars have complimentary bowls of pretzels and peanuts on the counter there. They're actually not that generous. They want you to scarf down handfuls of that so that you'll think, I gotta drink something. And you'll buy something to wash it down. Salt makes you thirsty. It's supposed to be that you living 
The way you live with Jesus inside of you would make some other people thirsty, thinking, what does she have that I don't have? What does he have that I don't have? What is going on there? It would pique interest and draw people thirsty. Because we know people, regardless of whether they claim to be an atheist, agnostic, whatever the label is they wear, they're created in the image of God and they have a soul that yearns to be in relationship with its creator. They keep trying to stuff it with all kinds of other things, but there is a thirst that drives people to do what they do. Thirsty. But what else is going on with salt? It's not so much what we do today, but when Jesus spoke this, in his day, salt was the number one ingredient used to preserve and to keep things from decaying. We've got refrigeration and all kinds of other ways now, but salt was it. We're to be salt, cause people to be thirsty. We're to be salt to prevent some of the decay that's going on in our world. What about light? Well, light exposes and makes clear Things that you would not otherwise see. Now track with me on this. I know that I'm pushing courage to stand, confidence to speak up. But surely you've bumped into this already. Have you ever noticed how your very life, and if you haven't, that's a problem. But I'll let you think about that. Have you ever noticed that your very life makes some unbelievers uncomfortable before you ever open your mouth? You don't even have to attack their choices or their values or preach a sermon at them. Why is that? Well, if Jesus lives in you and he is light and he is truth, when you walk into a room and when you walk into that break room, when you step into the gym, when you land on that campus, when you walk the streets of that neighborhood, to some degree, light is thrown on that. And John chapter 3, verse 19, it's not in your outline, but write it down. John three nineteen, he says, men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds would be exposed. Here's what's going on. When you think, I'm not even being obnoxious, but I feel like they're hating me. When you get around them, your character, your biblical values, and your lifestyle choices expose them and make them aware of themselves. And most people work very hard to not be aware of themselves. They don't want to think about it. And your light in your life and the way you live in just the position of them causes them to think, ooh, 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 before you even open your mouth. Salt and light. Salt and light. But you, you might be thinking, okay, how do I get more salty? How do I get more full of light? Brad, here's where I've got super news for you. Sometimes there's something we need and it's complicated. And there's nine steps or there's, you know, levels you got to go through. I got such good news for you. How do I get more salty and more full of light? It's one thing. It's one thing. It's not eight or ten things you got to start thinking about and doing. One. Let me show you what that one thing is. Go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, we're going to jump in at verse 38. One thing, one thing that increases your HP, your high potency, high potency, high potency. One thing that does that. Luke chapter 10, beginning of verse 38. Now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat At Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha, 
was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, look at me, Martha, Martha. It's never good when he uses your name twice. Martha, Martha, girl, bring it down. Bring it down. Very grateful for the amazing quiche you got going in there. But let me tell you something, Martha. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Folks, those five words could change your life this year and could lead to other people's lives being changed this year. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. That's it right there from verse 38 to 42 is the one thing you've got to spend on. Here's how I say it. You've got to spend unhurried time in the presence of Jesus. Hearing his word, delighting in him, worshiping him, knowing him, following love with him. Because get this, it's not a class. We got a class going, and I'm glad people are in there. It's not a book. We got some good books. Folks, who you spend time with, you become like. I've been married 29 years now. If you think I'm harsh now, you should have seen me before I married Vicki. She has the gift of mercy. Believe it or not, I have become more like her. And you say, well, do it more. I hope I will. I will. But oh my goodness, I'm different. I am different. I don't have to wake up and say, oh, I ought to talk to people. I ought to care. I, ought to... I do. It used to be us in the van, me and the kids saying, where is mom? She's in the cucumber section talking to someone. Why does she do that? And now they're in the van. And where is dad? He's in the card section talking to someone. I've become like It's wonderful. Who you spend time with, you become like. And when you spend significant time with a certain person, watch this, their heart becomes your heart. We don't have to wonder, does Jesus have a heart for lost people? Is he salty, full of light? Does he care? It's one thing, folks. You don't have to think of eight or ten things you got to start doing. You can start spending time with Jesus regularly, unhurried, and his heart will become your heart, and you will become like him by spending time with him. But here's the deal. Just like what you see, Mary, key word, Mary has chosen that good part. You have to choose it. Everything in our world and our culture pushes you towards hurry, hurry, hurry. Alarm goes off, make some coffee. Good morning, America's on the TV. Music's already going. Jump in the car, go to work, listen to talk radio on the way to work. Work, 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 work. Rush home, take some people to some soccer games. Throw something in the oven. And do it all over again. Day after day after day after day. You will have to choose But one thing is needed. We're 30 days, 31 days into a new year. Have you been choosing that one thing that's needed? I can't do it for you. No one can do it for me. Your small group leader can't do it. Your pastor can't do it. Your best friend can't do it. Your spouse can't do it. You got to choose it. You've got to choose it. You're going to have to think, I'm getting up a little earlier to 
choose to be with Jesus and read my Bible and pray. I'm going to rearrange things too. This is not legalism, folks. This is right here the heart of what, why I push you to read your Bible and to pray and to get in a small group so that you can become like Jesus. Get the heart of Jesus. Increase your HP, your high potency, salty, full of light. It's a choice. What do you need to change to be able to make that choice? If you're like me, we've been married 29 years. Our house is to the point now, and I love throw pillows, and I love pictures. I'm that guy that cares. But there's nothing else that can come in the front door if something doesn't go out the back. There's no space for another cute little table. There's no space for a cute little nothing. It's full. We've been married 29 years. Something has to go. I suspect in your own life, you're not sitting there right now saying, i got this hour that I just every... Every day I just think, I don't know what to do with myself. I could pray and read my Bible and have that Jesus time you was talking about. Probably not. But some of it may can't come with the stupid TV. You could turn off the stupid sitcom or whatever. Most people are watching five, six, seven hours of television every evening and then saying they don't have time to read the Bible. Talk to the hand. You got time. You're just not using it well. Choose, choose, choose. Mary has chosen that good part. One thing is needed. One thing is needed. Get that one thing in your life, folks, for high potency. And here's the deal. That one thing is the same thing it's always been. It hasn't changed. From the very beginning with the first people who were called Christians in the book of Acts, it was this one thing. You say, how do you know, Brad? Because of Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Listen to what it says. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, you're saying, I'm not bold, I'm shy, I'm timid. Okay, watch what happens here. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, there's good news for a bunch of us, right? You don't have to be super smart. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to have a Bible degree. You don't have to have gone through a 14-week class. When they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, trained you know what it costs the people this is why i say all the time i try to engage people but folks when you do it it's so much more effective because they think you're normal they're like they're like he's a pastor he's supposed to talk about jesus whatever but when you do it they're like she's normal she didn't go to bible college seminary no massive training but oh my goodness jesus spills out of her when they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained they marveled and they realized that they had been to a two-year class that had made them this they realized what that they had been say it with jesus oh my goodness isn't that good news i want to be with him anyway because he's my savior and i love him but this is the good news what we're trying to push here in this series will start happening to you as a byproduct As you spend time with Jesus, you will become like Jesus. His heart will become your heart. High potency, very salty, full of light happens as you choose that best part. One thing is needed. You say, well, how do I spend time with Jesus since he's not here now? Good question. You do it by reading and feeding on God's word. And by getting on your knees and praying before you head off to work, God, go with me today. Jesus, go with me. Shine through me. You start learning your coworkers' names and neighbors' names and people in the store, their names. 
You say, help me today to make a difference. Just a kind word, just love, just a smile. Just w-. Last night I went to LA Fitness. I didn't go thinking, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead someone to the Lord. But my heart was just happy. I'm, I'm happy lots of times. I didn't even realize that I guess I was whistling as I came in. I whistled my way from the front door back to the, the locker room. And then I was on a machine and a guy came over that I, I've learned his name. I knew his name, but we've never talked. And he said, you know what? I heard you whistling as you were coming in. Nobody does that anymore. Oh, you used to, people used to do that all the time, but no more. Now, I could have just kept sitting there thinking and say, I'm a happy guy. Life's good. And what do you think I thought? Oh, what's this? Oh, running up the flagpole. You got to say Jesus. So I said, Jesus. No, didn't do it like that. I just said, I am a lot of the time. But I wouldn't be without Jesus. Now, he started backing up. I'll tell you, he did. He he was like, oh, end of conversation. But why should I get the glory? It's just being a happy guy. I said, I wouldn't be without Jesus. And even as he's trying to leave, I got some more in. I said, because the world is scary today. It is darker. Things are worse than they used to be. If I didn't know there was someone in control and have Jesus in my life, I probably wouldn't be this happy. And he's gone. (laughs) But that's what I'm talking about. Now, every time he sees me, he has seen me for a couple years, he's going to think, oh, that guy talks about Jesus. And if he ever wants to, he can come over and say, can you tell me more about that? That's all I'm talking about, folks. Salty, full of light, but you got to be spending time with Jesus. That's how you increase your HP, your high potency. Now, let me say, you read your Bible, feeding and reading on God's word. You pray. And let me tell you something else. You choose to rub up against other contagious Christians at close range. In our church, that's called small group. To where we get out of this huge room where you just rumble around and lie to each other. How's it going? Great. How about you? Great. Lie, 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 lie. In small group, you can say, I'm struggling. Pray for me. I'm going on a business trip. Pray for us about our son. Pray. We can bear one another's burdens, care for each other, love each other, and sharpen each other and say, hey, how's that going? You want to talk to so-and-so at work? We're all praying. It's wonderful. And it has a huge effect on you spending time with other contagious Christians at close range. Feeding and reading on God's word and praying. This is how you increase your HP. High potency. High potency. But if you're sitting here and you're feeling pretty good so far, like, okay, I know I'm not perfect, but I do read my Bible, I do pray, and I'm in a small group. We're not done. That's not the end game. Just salty, salty, salty. Some of you are salty, 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 salty. And oh my goodness, your life is a biblical light show of strobes and a disco ball. I mean, like, you know your Bible and the minor prophets and the major prophets and the end times. and But it's making no difference in our world because you never get around unbelievers and it's how you like it. It's quiet now. Folks, if, it, if you're the one that just says, oh, I hate being around unbelievers, and I work with unbelievers. If I could work at the church, please stop saying that. I work at the church. Many days I wish I could work with unbelievers. And that would explain why they are the way they are. At church, you just think, dude, really? What's wrong with you? Um, listen. If you're that person who's like, I don't want to be around unbelievers. Oh, 
If there was any way I could spend every minute of every day and every activity with only believers, oh, that'd be so wonderful. I, oh, my goodness. Wrong goal, folks. I want to exercise with other Christians that only listen to Christian music. So it's Christian music as we jazzercise. None of that secular stuff. I don't want to hear secular stuff. And I want to shop with other Christians that don't cuss. And I want, to, I want to have a mom's play group with other Christians that are doing parenting just like I do. And we all agree exactly how we're doing it so it won't be so awkward at the playground. And, and I, want to, I want to play basketball and softball in a Christian men's sports league so that I don't have to hear cussing and pushing and shoving. And when someone bumps somebody, they say, oh, please, no, praise the Lord. You go ahead. You drive towards the basket. My bad. The first shall be last and all that. Slam it, dunk it. I don't care. It's not about me. I want, I want that kind of league. And when the Christian high holiday, I mean, when the high holidays come, whatever they are, Easter, Christmas, and folks, I know the world has taken these holidays and screwed them up. But if your neighborhood has an egg hunt, you should be there. If there's a Christmas thing going on, be there. I'm going to... I know this is a choice, but I'm going to say it. At Halloween, don't lock the door, turn out the lights, and find some church that's doing a fall festival throwing beanbags in Jonah Whale's mouth. Instead of being in your neighborhood, get the fire pit out, be there, because here's the deal. I meet people every year that I don't see the rest of the year. I didn't even know they existed. I knew that's a house. I've never seen a person And they're out with their children. And everybody doesn't have a knife through their head with blood running down their face. And I know it's origin. But families aren't waking up saying, today's the day we celebrate Satan. Children, we're going to celebrate Satan. Okay? Let's go out and celebrate Satan. They just want candy. All right? I know there's some people killing goats and doing horrible things in the woods. They do that all year long. That's a different problem. This is Halloween. It's candy. It's candy. So... The rest of the year when I'm out in the neighborhood and everyone knows I'm a Christian, the last thing I want them to think is, well, looky there. Candy, 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 lights out, nobody home, against it. And, and we're known for, it's what we don't do. And be in your, in your yard, be in the driveway, meet people. And then you know, ah, oh, and you have a conversation. Point number two, you will never make an impact on this world by hiding Or working so hard to eliminate all contact with unbelievers. Wrong goal. Jesus didn't do that and neither should we. You think about it. What was one of the number one things Jesus was constantly accused of and they railed against him? The religious elite, the fundies of the day, the fundamentalists of the day were constantly saying, you spend, he spends time with, and here's how I believe they'd say it if we had an audio version, sinners, sinners, and their lip would curl. He hangs out with sinners and he drinks and he eats with sinners. He had to look right at them and say, I came for the sick, not for the righteous. I came for lost sinners. He engaged. To have a conversation with a sinner, you have to be near a sinner. He went where they went. He leaned, let me say it to you this way. He leaned into the darkness. Now, am I asking you to jump in with both feet and wallow around in it? No. But here's what this looks like. It's a rhythm like this. I pull back to worship, meeting with Jesus alone, small group for high potency. And then I go close proximity. I go to work. I go to the campus. I go out in the neighborhood. And I pull back 
and I spend time with Jesus, and I pray, and I go to small group, and I come to worship, and then I go prox- prox- close proximity. It's high potency, close proximity. If you go over there and you don't have in your life Bible reading, prayer, small group, then yeah, you could get in big trouble. That's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches this kind of rhythm. And we got Christians that are caught up in potency, 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 potency. Whole bunch of salt shakers just collected together talking about how salty they are. Whole bunch of Christians just having their own little light show and, and then fighting about it. My light's better than your light and I understand the Bible better than you do. Who cares? We're not supposed to argue over the finer points of biblical truth. Get out there and live it. Be salt. Be light. Until salt gets out of the salt shaker and on everything around it, it's just a table ornament. Light makes no difference when it's just collected with other light. It's when it steps into the darkness that it makes a difference. Now, I know some of you right now might be pushing back, thinking about, what about being separate from the world and holiness? And... Let me show you Jesus' high priestly prayer for us. He prayed a prayer before you were ever born, talking about you today. Go to John 17. Let me show you. Here's how Jesus prayed for us. John chapter 17. John chapter 17, beginning in verse 13. Jesus, praying to God the Father. But now I come to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. And I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I Oh, listen to this, folks. Verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Some of, you keep, some of you keep trying to find a way to actually be taken out of the world to some degree. There was a family at our other church that bought a big piece of property and they wanted all of us to build houses there. Are you kidding me? I've said this before. Christians, when you spread them around like manure, can do a lot of good. When you pile them up, it stinks. I don't want to be on a piece of property with a bunch of Christians until we're on the new heaven and new earth. That's when I want to be around that many Christians every day, every minute of the day. Until then, I'm supposed to be salt and light. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Get in there, and he's praying that God the Father will keep you from the evil one. And one of the ways he does that is you get in a small group with other people that can help you, hold on to you, pray for you, hold you accountable. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Verse 18. As you sent me into the world... I also have sent them into the world. So you think, how did Jesus operate in this world? That's how you're supposed to do it. He said, just as you sent me, he got close to unbelievers. He leaned into the darkness. He initiated conversations. He had a compassionate, broken heart. The people he yelled at and rebuked were not sinners. They were self-righteous, religious, church-going people. That's when he unleashed his tirades It's not your business to be turning to people at the gym and saying, well, you shut your filthy mouth. If I hear one more cuss word from you, I just stand there on the treadmill thinking, oh, Lord of the heavens, this is amazing, the filth out of this woman's mouth. And she looks normal. She looks like she works a job. God help her. God help her. As I hear young men just talking so foul and sexual about girls, 
I just say, God, help. this is our world, God. Thank you for putting me here. It's not our job to go around rebuking unbelievers and expecting them to live like Christians before they're Christians. Broken heart, mercy, compassion, salt, light. But see, I understand it is hard to be in close proximity with people who are so much like what you were like. And you just think, oh, the language is foul. The humor is off color. Their values are so different than mine. But here's what you need to remember. It was not that long ago those values were your values and that mouth was your mouth. How soon would you have come to Christ if every Christian had pulled back from you and shunned you? I'm going to say something that just, it's just, because I haven't said anything like that yet. (laughs) We got too many Christians that are on board with what I call the shun, run, and write about how bad it is. Shun, run, and write about how bad it is. I want some of the bloggers in their little den, safety of their little den, to shut it down. Get off your keyboard and into the community. We don't need you telling us how bad it is. That doesn't change anything. I can read my Bible and know how bad it is. 2 Timothy 3 describes us exactly. I don't need your blog. We need Christians who would give us encouragement and hope and ideas of how they're making a difference to spur us on to love and good deeds. Run, shun, and write about how bad it is is not a biblical mandate. I've sent you. So send I you, so send I you, so send I you. Always remember this, folks, no matter how uncomfortable you are around an unbeliever, you are more like them than different. That would really help. You are more like them than different, so love them. And if you don't, say, oh God, forgive me for the heart right now that I sense welling up in me and change my heart. But for the grace of God, that could be me still today Jesus doesn't call us to isolation he calls us to high potency and close proximity you say all right what are some ways I could do this Brad I grew up in churches where we were asked to come on Monday night and go out through the neighborhoods knocking on doors and starting conversations about Jesus out of nowhere I wanted to throw up I still want to throw up nothing's changed about that and I saw very little fruit I'm not asking you to do that. Let me give you a suggestion. I call it strategic consumerism. You're already going to the gas station. You're already going to the beauty shop or the barber shop. You're already going to a certain coffee shop. You're already shopping a certain store. You already Think of all the places you go, the tire store and, and on and on, restaurants that you frequent regularly and you see the same waitress or same waiter or whatever. If you would just add prayer and preparation and a little sense of intentionality... Over time, these mundane errands could become kingdom opportunities. But it starts with actually seeing people. It starts with actually noticing your waitress or waiter, asking their name and loving them and being kind and friendly and leaving a ginormous tip, by the way. If I learn of anybody here leaving nothing but a track, I'm going to smack you, so help me God, smack you. Don't do that. Don't leave a gospel track and no money. Don't leave a gospel track and a sad tip. Leave a gospel track and at least 20%. At least. Folks, love them. Learn their name. Care about them and look for ways to serve them. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Vicky goes to a, a convenience store near us regularly. 
not because she thought, I want to go there and preach the gospel. She wants a diet Mountain Dew with crushed ice. She wants to do the do. And she wants that certain crushed ice. She wouldn't lie to you. That's why she's there. I'm here for the do. But guess what else is there? People. And because she spends time with Jesus and she has high potency and she loves Jesus, she notices people. She learns their names. She prays for them. She engages them in conversation. And she looks for ways to serve them. Because she's seeing the same people that work in the store over and over. And so one of them opened up to her and said she was having surgery. Her family's a mess. Half of them don't speak to each other. She has nobody in her life. And Vicky said, I'm going to bring you a meal when you have your foot surgery. And the woman was stunned. She said, you would do that? She said, sure. Folks. I am so glad we care for each other well here. But some of you need to start taking food to somebody besides each other. Tell your Christian friend here, run through the drive-thru. I hope you don't get fat, but I'm fixing a meal for an unbeliever. You're on your own on this one. Because I'm going, I'm going outside the family of God and trying to make a difference. They are shocked. It rocks their world. Their world doesn't work that way. They don't love each other like that. They need to see that kind of love and receive that kind of love. It doesn't all just need to happen right here with us. So here's what, I'm, here's what I'm saying. Where are you already going? What are you already doing? Who are you already seeing regularly? That you could just begin to be a little more intentional by praying for them by name, by having a track with you in the car or a church card or something or a sermon CD and just say, Lord, Lord, help me. I, I keep church cards in my gym pants so that I can give them to someone if I get in a conversation. But I don't go in the front door saying, cards for everybody, cards, cards, cards to my church. No, nobody wants that. I whistle. (laughs) And when they come over, they get a card. (laughs) Let me give you another suggestion. We don't need every believer to find a way to get out of the neighborhood and quit their job. We need you to ask God to help you to to have eyes to see that job and that neighborhood as a mission field and to have the heart of Jesus for them. Just this week, I was speaking to a young man in our church that served in law enforcement now for eight years. We had a fantastic conversation. I didn't even know him, and it so thrilled me. I shot him an email and said, hey, tell me more about that. Listen to his follow-up email to me. He said, like, he was saved in college, like 20, 21 years old. Got saved. And someone discipled him well to love the Bible and to love people and to love sharing the gospel. But listen to what he says. I, like many new believers, I thought I needed to go into full-time ministry. In 2007, my intent was to enter seminary. But while on Christmas break, I was spending time with my high school friends looking for ways to invest in them and share the amazing work of Jesus. Now, note that right there. He had not cut off all his former friends. Too many Christians do that. It's like, I'm a Christian now. Woo, done with all y'all. All y'all, done. He didn't do that. He was still, but he had a, a mindset. I want to invest in them and share this amazing good news. He said, all my friends over Christmas break were going to interview for jobs at the sheriff's office. So I went with them just so I could spend more time with them. During the hiring process, I learned about the unique stresses and strains the world of law enforcement puts on its people and its families. Issues of infidelity, divorce, alcoholism, suicide. We're talking about among the law enforcement people, not outside in the community. There's plenty of that too. But with them, it's common. What a mission field, I thought. What are the answers to all those problems? Jesus. 
I could see that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I pursued this career field because it was available. He said, God gave me the opportunity. He said in two different interviews with seven important people with shiny stuff and stripes all over them. Two different interviews, he used the word Jesus and said, you know, what's your interest in law enforcement? None. I just want to be around people and have an opportunity to be around people and serve people. And he said, I got hired anyway. Now he is buff. He's buff and he's sharp and he's a leader. And you get around him, you're just like, whoo, man, leader. But he said, Jesus, he said, I'm here because I just want to be around people. He said, since 2008, I've had the opportunity to invest in so many co-workers. I've led two different Bible studies at work. I've had numerous opportunities to help people. On top of that, I've had the opportunity to provide counsel to people who are struggling in their marriage, people struggling with sin, people who are trying to make sense of death and finality. The spectrum of those who the gospel applies to is endless. I've even used the gospel to calm down chaotic crime scenes, like when I'm called to a home for domestic abuse. So many things open the door for the gospel. He says, over the years, I've, I've been, he was jazzed. He was excited. He's actually called up several of his friends who were all gotten saved in college together and were in that same discipleship ministry and said to them, you need to go into law enforcement. Go into law enforcement as a ministry. He said, five of my friends are now all in law enforcement in different states to make a difference. Now don't hear me saying he's a terrible policeman. He doesn't know which end of his gun is up. He's be good at what you do. And he is. He keeps getting promoted. He's good. He's in shape. He's sharp. And he's salty and full of light. Be the best engineer. The best pharmaceutical sales rep. The best homemaker mom that you can be. But oh along with that. Be salty and full of light. Take your job. And recognize this This is where I come up against darkness and have opportunity to make a difference. But notice, he did speak. He did speak. There comes a point where you have to speak. So here's how I would say it to you. High potency gets you ready. Close proximity puts you in the right place. But then you'll have to speak. Clear communication. We're going to talk about that next week. Because what I want to do right now is I want you to think about these two areas that I've talked about today. And I want you to think about it now. So go to the end of the outline and you'll see where I've got a place where you can reflect and rate yourself. I want you to sit here for 60 seconds and I want you to, before the Lord, say, Lord, where am I on potency? How salty and full of light am I? And what would I need to change to increase my HP? What would I need to change? Do I need to turn off the TV? Do I need to get up earlier? What do I need to do? Do I need to get in a small group? I've always said I don't want to do that. I don't have time. What do you need to do to increase your HP? But then I want you to think about what do you need to do to increase your close proximity? Where are you already going? Who do you already see? But how do you need to think about those opportunities Ask the Lord right now. Listen to what God tells you right now.
one thing is needed. How are you going to get that one thing in your life more? And you got to lean into the darkness. Where could you lean a little more in the darkness? I'm not asking you to jump in with both feet and never come back. But lean into it. Don't run, shun, write about it. We don't need any more of that. Where could you lean into the darkness? Oh God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for direct access to your throne. Thank you for other believers around us. You've given us everything we need for life and godliness to make a difference in a dark, decaying world. Oh God, increase our potency from time with Jesus and his believers. And oh God, give us eyes to see broken, hurting, lost, enslaved people who are trapped and deceived just like we were. We're no better than them, just like we were. And may our hearts break for them and may we love them and serve them and listen to them. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.